You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and also the Driven REV Focus website. And of course, one step off the grid. And joining me as usual is Solar Analytics person in chief, character in bold. I don't know how to describe <laughs> you, Nigel. Agent Orange, I, we decided it, last time, I thought. Agent Orange. Oh, Agent Orange. Oh, okay, yeah. Look, it's all says Morris. Agent Morris. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's also a solid, solid veteran here, but I don't know. It just doesn't quite, you know. <laughs> I think Agent, Agent Morris is, that's a, that's, that's not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, my friend. Had a few days off, so been a bit out of touch, actually. Um, went to my brother-in-law's farm up uh, up in the Hunter, new farm, and um, of course got got seconded very quickly into checking out the solar system that was on the house that he bought. So, uh, you know, even when you're on a holiday, you're still working, but um, no, much refreshed. Thing. Much refreshed. And was the solar system okay? It was actually. Um, I have to say, it was it was uh, not a bad install at all. The quality of the electrical work was uh, outstanding. Um, the um, switchboard was one of the neatest I've seen in ages, which was a real pleasure. Uh, someone had really put a lot of care and attention into that. The insulation on the roof looked excellent. Um, you know, they'd done all their wiring the right way. About the only thing that I could fault was that. Um, the inverter was okay. Uh, well, not a not a not a super inverter, but it was okay. But it was it's on the back wall of the house. That means in the late western afternoon um, sun, uh, it was copping a beating. So you know, I, I suggested we put a little hood over it or something just to prolong the life of it and keep it nice and cool. Um, outside of that, yeah, really good, mate, and and delivering pretty good power too. Excellent. What size is the system? Five kilowatts. A few years old oh, now. No. Yeah, but nice, nice little five kilowatts. Um, good, good for good for a, a you know busy family. Mm. Mate, the installations have been rocketing along. The last data that came out um, last week for September shows that uh, record levels of installations in New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia. Victoria did kind of okay considering everyone was told to stay at home and, and not do anything. So I think it yeah. sort of fell by half. But, but the upshot was, and I guess that's sort of delivery of certificates, people caught up with their paperwork in the absence of doing other things. Um, but the upshot of it was there probably would have been 300 megawatts um, installed were it not for the COVID-19 restrictions in Victoria. And it also means that um, at the end of September, we've pretty much beaten last year's record total tally for 2019 and we're well on the way to three gigawatts in 2020 um people aren't holding back they're not it's it's quite incredible isn't it and and you know i think i think you know i guess i guess the proof will be in the pudding but certainly anecdotally giles you know with everyone being at home they're a lot more focused on you know, having to manage their energy costs, as we, as everyone's been saying, and you know, the story seems to be pretty consistent out there that um, 
you know, everyone's uh, everyone's settling down and bunkering down still. And you know, I'm I'm blown away by uh, by Victoria's uh, figures. Um, that's for sure. That's that's an amazing result. And it'd be interesting to see the breakdown of what's large and what's small there. Um, chatting mm. with a few guys, I know some of the um, uh, some of the larger projects were still able to to proceed. And of course, there's a bit of rural focus. And of course, the other thing we know is this business, this industry, is really good at adapting. Um, even even under duress, it would seem. On on statistics, um, just to back that up, those numbers up, Charles. I did see some numbers come through earlier today, uh, showing that three hundred and gosh, three hundred and twenty four systems were registered since the new regulations came in in South Australia. Um, so that's in about eight days. Uh, that many systems have been registered, uh, maybe seven. Um, so it's a bit over forty systems a day, which is um, which is, uh, you know, uh, another indication that even in the face of adversity, you know, solar companies just just push on and they're finding ways through and they're getting those secret agents uh, connected up to those systems. <laughs> well, that's right. And in South Australia, of course, we've had all that uncertainty because the new rules came in at the end of September, but pretty much they applied to any system that was sort of um, contracted or signed after early August, but still the systems mm-hmm. came flooding in. So a record amount in South Australia in the month of September. And uh, Audrey Zieberman was actually on the um, on the Smart Energy Council um, webinar um, last week and just talking about expecting another oh, 3,000 systems. I can't quite remember now, um, but, but an extraordinary amount per, per month. Um, so I think they're expecting to about 150, 200 megawatts um, of new installed solar systems by this time next year in South Australia, which um, are all going to be subject to these new controls, sort of switching off or, um, and also with these new inverter standards. But um, there finally seems yeah. to be some clarity over that. So um, um, the rest of the industry better get ready because those, those rules are coming their way. Yeah, I, I I think it kind of seems a little bit inevitable now if they can make it work in one state and and you know suddenly unleash, you know remote diagnostic or remote dynamic control, uh, on on you know distributed solar just the same way that effectively the large scale plants are controlled. Um, you know why why wouldn't you? It's the smart stuff that we've all wanted for ages. So um, you know that part of it is tremendously exciting. Actually, it's tremendously exciting. So yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens this, this now. Yeah, there seems to be some sort of evolution in the way they're thinking about this. I mean, before we were just sort of told that um, things would be switched off and depending on the technology and, and whatever the um, the agents could do, the uh, mm. whole solar system was going to be switched off or just the export switched off. But um, South Australia Power Networks are now going to be trialling um, having dynamic exports. So basically means that they can sort of go up and down according to according to needs, which sort of sounds Correct. a bit more like central sounds a bit more like central con- control. Um I guess it will all be in the it'll all be in the doing. I think it's a bit like sort of virtual yes, power plant. Exactly. Um, you know, you, you've, if you're going to partake in a um, in, in a virtual power plant, then you've got to have a certain amount of your battery um, on standby or ready to do what it's contracted to do. Um, so um, you don't have sort of total control um, over it. Although I, I suspect that that changes from scheme to scheme. Yeah, exactly right. Scheme to scheme and application to application. And, you know, this is a new one down there. And, you know, stress to, to owners um, that, you know, it's only the, the South Australian re- rules and regulations are really designed for, 
you know, a sort of a major event, which hopefully we won't see very often um, if if uh, everything goes well. But of course, everything doesn't always go well. So it's a it's a good forward step, and it opens up the way to do far smarter things. So yeah, that side of it's really good. Um, you know, it was it was quite revealing, I have to say, uh, Giles. Last week, a number of phone calls that we were taking from solar companies down in South Australia, and the phone continues to ring off the hook of of people saying, "Okay, tell us about what you guys have got." on offer and how that might help us uh, with with RA services and everything else. And, uh, you know, as late as last week, uh, the end of last week, there were still seller companies calling us saying, oh, we've really got to work out what to do. Um, we haven't decided which way to go yet or whatever. Now, clearly from the numbers, we can see that companies are proceeding, but everyone's been, you know, just trying to navigate a whole new set of deals and offers and understand what it means and what to tell customers. And and then, of course, there's a bit of work to do to get them wired appropriately and get new meters in and perhaps new systems for monitoring and, and new relationships with relevant agents and new digital forms to complete. And, and uh, so... Yeah, I think um, I think you know based on what we've seen so far with registrations, you would you would probably expect that it'll ramp up pretty dramatically as the coming weeks go by, and and everyone kind of sinks their teeth into it and gets their head around all the the new things that they got to do. So um, yeah, it's interesting. It is indeed. It is indeed. Look, um, don't we might just just sort of um, pause for a moment and take a message um, from one of our sponsors. Um, we'll be back in a moment. SunWiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by a world-leading solar software platform. With personalised training and assistance, PV retailer benchmarking and individually tailored proposals, SunWiz will accelerate your solar business in the right direction. Unlock the wisdom of 10 years' experience assisting leading solar companies by visiting sunwiz.com.au. And uh, we'd like to thank all our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, um, SunWiz and uh, Clenergy for their ongoing support of the Solar Insiders podcast. Um, now, Nigel, we've got another little excerpt too. Um, earlier on um, this week, I got to talk to the people at Pingala, um, Community Renewable Energy Outfit, which has done a lot of good work in Sydney and, um, and other areas. Tons of good work. I've worked with Tons those guys on work. and off over the years. A great bunch of oh, folks, really. It's, it's terrific to hear they're still chipping away out there. Well, they're, they're doing more than chipping away. They're actually putting together the largest um, solar garden project in um, in Australia. It's one megawatt. So it's going to be down in the southwest of New South Wales. And I talked to April Crawford-Smith, the uh, one of the co-founders and conveners of um, Pingala, and um, have a listen. April Crawford-Smith, thanks for joining uh, Solar Insiders. Hello there. Look, you're the, um, you're the co-convener or a co-convener of um, Pingala um, Renew Community Renewables? Con community Hub. Pingala Community Renewable Energy. You, you yes. better spell that for me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, sure. So um, co-founder and convener of Pingala um, Community mm -hmm. Energy, yes, based in Sydney. Based yes. in Sydney, and you've got a pretty exciting project happening at the moment, which is the um, Australia's. I'm not too sure if it's first, but it's it's it's, it's certainly the biggest solar garden, which um, you're developing in um, in southwest New South Wales. And yes, that's right. Yep. So tell us more about that. It's called it's called Haystacks. It's located in Grong Grong. All these names, fantastic. 
fantastic name. So <laughs> tell us where it is and why and why it's called Haystacks and, and what you're up to. Yeah, sure. So um, this project, as you said, is the first large-scale solar garden um, in Australia. The model is actually really popular in, in the US, um, lots of different solar gardens projects happening there, but this is the first of its kind at this scale. Um, Anova did a small-scale project a few years ago up in the Northern Rivers, um, mm -hmm. but this is going to be a one-megawatt one solar farm um, built on a farm in Grongrong, which is just about an hour north of Wagga Wagga in the Riverina of New South Wales. Um, and it's called Haystacks because of the farming area for the community. Um, there's a lot of wheat and oats and barley and rye grown in the area. So the, the name Haystacks is really resonant of, of the place that it comes from and, and the, um, yeah, the location and the vibe of the project, I guess. <laughs> so what exactly is a solar garden then? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So I, I'm sure you know at Pingala we do lots of different investment projects, um, done a few across Sydney and this is our first um, bigger scale project. And, and the difference between uh, other community investment projects and a solar garden is that um, when the members put in their money, um, they become members of the, of, of the cooperative, that's the investment vehicle that it, that's going to be set up through, um, instead of receiving a, an annual dividend or, or some sort of return on their investment via a share or something like that, the solar gardens model actually incorporates um, a retailer and um, provides an on-bill credit to, to the people who originally invest. So it acts more like the household or, or the, the investor has solar on their own roof. Um, so much like if you, if you, you install a system on, on your house, um, your bill goes down and you might see some um, electricity going into the grid and your, your retailer gives you some, um, a bit of money every, every quarter for that energy generated and you get a little credit on your bill. Um, so the solar garden functions in a similar kind of way and it's, and it's aimed at um, families, households, individuals that can't do their own solar. Um, and so when they, when they become a member and invest and, and purchase a solar plot, much like a garden, um, they then receive an on-bill credit every quarter. So it really feels much more like it's a um, it's their own solar system or, or, or functions in a similar way, which is exciting. Yeah. So look, that's presumably targeted um, renters or people who live in apartments or people who live in other houses, which for some reason or another just can't have um, solar on their rooftop. So what sort of size system can you buy through a solar garden? What sort of um, shares? I mean, how are you dividing it up? Yeah, so the, the aim is to split up the one megawatt into about 330 lots. Um, so it roughly turns out to be about three kilowatts, which is which is a fairly small system for, for an average big family um, or maybe a couple or a single. It's probably more an appropriate size, but it's about three kilowatts um, that each each person or each member can, can purchase. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how much does that cost? Do we know? We don't know the exact price yet, Giles. Um, we're, we're putting out the prospectus very soon, um, but it's going to be in the order of $4,000, that, that sort of range. Maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less, depending on um, the final figures. There's a few things to still piece together, um, one of them being um, securing an off-taker to purchase the energy from the solar farm, which then will generate right. the income, which is a really exciting 
part of the project. Um, okay. And, 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 and that would be yeah. crucial because that would be, that'll be basically would judge the sort of returns that people can get on that investment once you, once you actually finalise that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, a, okay. it's a really key, key point. Yep. Yeah. And how are you going with a the retailer then? Because basically the, I'd imagine well, it shouldn't be complex in the sense that um, people will get credited for the solar output that they've got for the garden, but, I mean, someone's got to put it within their system. So have you got a good response mm. from energy retailers there? Yeah, it's it's been about six months of, of chatting to different different people um, and we should be able to make the announcement very, very soon um, at the very very pointy end of the negotiations now, which is really exciting. So, so that, um, that pattern will be able to be released, um, hopefully within a few days, if not a week, something like that. Um, uh-huh. because the retailer, yeah, is a bit like the off taker, the really, really key other, other, other part of the project that it's really going to make this, this work. Yeah. yeah. But you've, you've got a call or you've got a call to action going out at the moment. So what exactly are you asking for people to do? Is that sort of register their interest and, um, and, and then sort of be then be given further details? Yeah, exactly. So the, the cooperative has been formed and there's a board of directors um, and this can all be um, read about and have a look at on the Haystacks website. It's haystacks.solargardens.org.au. Um, and that talks about what is a cooperative and how does it work and um, the different governance methods that go along with it. So, so that, the, the cooperative's been formed and there's a fantastic board representing um, locals in the area and other, other people that have been involved in the project for a long time. And now we're inviting members to join the cooperative and we're hoping for about 400. So it's a nice mm-hmm. big number. And those members um, apply on the website. Um, we're running a whole heap of webinars at the moment to for anybody to come and listen um, to hear about the project and ask all these pointy questions. There's a really great set of questions people have been asking about how does it work and how do I get my money back and what's a cooperative and where's the farm going to be built and why is it a solar garden? So they're running every Monday night. Um, and there's also specific questions if there's a group, a certain group that wants to run one. We had Voices for Power last week and Lake Macquarie Council and Inner West Council was one of the first ones. Um, so there's all these different um, event specific, group-specific group events coming up as well as the Monday sessions. Um, and mm. so people apply once they hear about it, like the idea of the project, apply to become a member. That all goes through our systems and the team checks over. Basically the only, the only checks that we have to make is that they have electricity bill so you can't just um apply if if you're flying around the world you need to be you need to have a bill (laughs) otherwise it doesn't work right there's nowhere for us to provide the credit so um need to have a bill and at the moment the haystacks cooperative is just um open to new south wales um members so it is a little bit restrictive because we have quite a few people from from different states that are really excited about the project as well but for this one this this first round this is the first time it's been done in australia right so we really need to get it right and there's lots of different things that have have come up that we've had to explore and and delve into and and you know you talk about the retailing being quite simple well i think in the result will be quite simple, but <laughs> the process of yes. getting the retailers to understand how it works and and the price, right? So we can only um, we can only sell it for a certain amount and and pass on those those um, returns to to the members, um, but the retailer has to work it out because they 
um, would normally only give a household um, 12 to 10, 15 cents for the solar. Um, you know, so there's all there's been all these different elements to, to work out and the numbers have been crunched many, many times and um, I can, also I can who's going to build the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I can imagine just be it's be a fearsomely complex um, when you get down to it. it. It does sort of sound simple to sort of build a solar farm, sort of divide the output into three hundred and thirty different tra- tranches, sell the energy, and um, divide the spoils. But um, you got to, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. as you say, retailers, and I, I suppose there's network charges included in all of that. And um, is this just a reduction in the wholesale price, or just a credit onto the bill? Um, so yeah, and, and and who do you get as an off taker? Do you need a behind the meter off taker who might pay more than a wholesale price off taker? I think um, it's in front of the meter. Um, he's got to be yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's got it does have that tricky element of 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 the wholesale price being a lot lower. Um, yes. And I think it's going to be sold at premium, um, but all all the community benefits that come alongside with these sorts of projects. So it's not just this big commercial thing that that goes to overseas shareholders and fly and flat workers. So the the whole um, procurement process around who's going to build the project has has been a really um, really important part of it as well. And we've been working with a lot of the um, local businesses, and particularly myself, have been chatting to the Aboriginal-owned businesses in the area too, which has been really, really interesting. There's actually quite a large Aboriginal workforce that does um, construction projects, solar projects, um, mine rehabilitation, bushfire regeneration, and that's all run by a local a local company. So it's really it's it's been a really multifaceted getting the tech right, getting the finances right, but the social community element is such an important part of this project. And um, as as members join, um, as I said, they apply, register the interest, they they pay a a small fee of $50 to join and that then get, gets them the front line of the news, what's going on, um, be the first in line to to read the prospectus and then actually look at purchasing the plots. Mm. And so we're keeping that benefit, you know, in the local community. So um, the people who will be building it, the labour force, all of the local um, electricians and all the different skill sets required, I'm, I'm sure you know that these sorts of projects, there's so many different types of people that are involved, which is really interesting and really exciting um, and the build mm. is looking like it'll be early next year. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not that far away, actually, considering it's yeah. nearly, you know, we're already so in how, October. Um, so how come they've been so popular in the US? I'm not exactly sure. I think they just worked out it was a really smart thing to do and then lots of people started doing the same thing. I mean, it's a bit like the the community investment um, sector here, you know, a couple of us started it early and then suddenly there's groups everywhere and, and, and we're all sort of helping each other to do more. So. Mm. Um, and I think also the one of the reasons why th- this type of model is really interesting is because, you know, when you when you have shares and you get dividends and, and it's counted as income tax, um, we're not sure yet, but we suspect that it could actually mean that because it's an on-build credit, it will be treated differently by, um, by the tax department. So that's an interesting element too. And so it just mm. might be that um, the benefits, um, the financial benefits that, that the families and the investors see um, is actually really high and really fantastic. So, so that um, the you know the impetus and the reason to duplicate um, that sort of project is is pretty high. And yeah, it's just been really really popular right across the states. And so um, yeah, really keen to get it started here. So with Haystacks, this is the first first large scale one, and, and the Haystacks Cooperative um, 
if they see that there's more potential to do more projects, um, they can build other solar farms within the same cooperative or they might mm. be um, a community up in Broken Hill or in Queensland or WA who wants to do a similar thing and they can set up their own cooperative and, and replicate the same model. Mm. And um, the project would be more than happy to share how to do it and, and what, what to do because it's really um, seeing a lot of these smaller scale because, you know, there's, there's massive solar farms being built everywhere and obviously there's a lot of rooftop solar Australia has the highest penetration of rooftop solar per capita um, but as far as these mid-scale small small to mid-scale solar farms go there's not that very many of them um, but in terms of the benefits that it's bringing to the farmer that the um, the land is going to be built on um, so obviously with climate change and and um, the variability of rainfall and desertification of a lot of these areas having an extra income is um, really you know, ensures the viability mm. and security of these farms into the future. So um, it slices off a, a, a tiny portion of their, their total their total land mass, total land base, and um, basically an area that can't be cropped anyway. It's close to the roads and, and incidentally really, really close to some um, uh, good good lines. <laughs> so in terms of connecting to the grid, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really smart place to put um, – a mid-scale solar farm. Um, so mm -hmm. the, the the approvals have all gone in. We've just got to wait for for, for the green light to go ahead. Um, but we don't see any issues with that side of things because of the um, the size of it. You know, it's not it's not an enormous farm. There's really good um, 11 kVA lines very close to to where it's going to be built. And so we're very confident that the, the approvals and the connections will be fine, and and then the generation going forward will be really secure as well. And um, they're going to be um, uh, moving, tracking, tracking panels. So, so we did the figures, oh, okay. and and the 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 amount that we um, the the more income that we receive from the tracking actually will, is is enough to pay for all the operations and maintenance and administration of the cooperative. So it really made a lot of sense to go for that that next level of of technology and and um, get that better better generation and output, which is really exciting. Um, That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so look, just remind people of the website yeah. to go to. Yeah, thanks, Giles. So it's haystacks.solargardens.org.au. Very okay, easy. Okay, we'll stick it out there and have a look yeah. at that. And um, fantastic idea. And congratulations, April, and your team. And um, thanks very much for joining the Solar Insiders podcast. All right. Thanks so much, Giles. Speak soon. Cheers. And that was um, April Crawford-Smith. Um Fantastic um, effort, um, Nigel. Really important to that people are thinking about um, those parts, the, the parts of the community that haven't been able to sort of share in the in the, in the solar deal so far. Renters and apartment dwellers um, and others. And um, this sounds like a pretty attractive system. Um, remarkably complex to actually put together when you think about the deals you got to cut with retailers and. Um, and yep. power purchase, off-takers and power purchase agreements. But um, fantastic effort to to get these solar gardens up and running. It, it is. And, and I, I mean, I love to see community organisations, particularly like Pingler, um, who've, who've worked so hard and just chipped away at these really difficult problems. Um, you know, there, there's not lots of these types of projects going in, but there's 
clearly a desire and a need uh, um, uh, or, or a want for these types of solutions and, you know, good on them for um, uh, chipping away and, and getting one of these big ones up off the ground. That makes it really material. And these days with the economics of it all, if you can uh, pull a project like that together, it can really stack up and can deliver a decent little return um, and, um, you know, deliver those those much-needed solar kilowatts for users who who can't otherwise get them on their on their rooftop absolutely yeah and and look and please do check out their website um, they'll have updates soon once they get those last two sort of missing links sort of locked in and then they'll be um they'll be seeking participants in this um community scheme and um look we wish them good luck um, Nigel, anything else on the solar front? Um, we did have some funny business going on in Western New South Wales, and um, they seem to be in still doing things. Cootamundra. Um, yeah. yeah, we mentioned Cootamundra in the last episode with some with some odd goings on there, and I, I, I picked up today uh, from the socials that um, seems like it's um, it's transmissible. Uh, it would appear this this flurry of crap solar behaviour because it's moved to Forbes, which is not too far from from Cooter. Um, a bit of a way down the, the, the road, but um, a similar kinds of deals there, just shoddy workmanship, um, uh, you know, really, really shoddy workmanship and sort of people being confused by what's being offered. I've, I've reached out to a couple of folks in Cooter and in Forbes, actually, to try and see if we can have a chat and dig a little more. But, um, yeah, it's, it's so aggravating and disappointing that even in tough times like this, there are... There are companies getting around out there who uh, still think that installing crap solar and, you know, perhaps targeting people who um, may not mm. be able to do the research or, or necessarily have all, you know, have the ability to pick a good deal from a not so good deal. And then they, they come into town, they leave a trail of disaster and they split and, 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 um, you know, some people are left uh, cleaning up the pieces. So, you know, um, caveat emptor solar buyers, remember to uh, always beware and do do a bit of research. Don't take that door knocked off straight away. Uh, and, and I would suggest wherever you possibly can use a local installer. Absolutely, absolutely, because they're going to hang around and um, and answer, and we'll we'll do the right thing. Whereas these sort of um, fly ins and fly outs, or whatever they're called, um, not too sure what your options are if you come across one of these people doing these shoddy installs. I suppose um, call the call the regulator. Well, there are, yeah, call the regulator, <laughs> make a complaint to the Clean Energy Council, um, and you know, increasingly, I have to say, this is where some of the social forums actually are really, really productive because we see these things popping up on crap solar and a variety of other feeds, and and installers are very quick to jump in and give advice on, you know, um, what you can do about it, where to go to get support or advice, where you can go to make a complaint, and indeed, you know, helping people identify some of the things that. Uh, are not particularly good uh, on some of these installs. So it's where, you know, the rapid response of a, of a collective group of people, particularly, you know, social um, mm. uh, and online specialists like the Solar Covers guys are out there, you know, really doing their best to help consumers and installers just make sure we, um, we keep this stuff under control. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, I think that's probably about it for the solar business. Um, but um, the EV market seems to be sort of taking off. It's um, it's just fascinating to see um, some of the um, some of the things happening around the world. And we saw our own stats in Australia earlier on this week, um, just showing that another twenty one percent fall in passenger car sales, petrol and diesel engines, 
um, hybrids doubling, which is kind of interesting in itself. I mean, I still do think of them as a little bit like the fax machine of the uh, of the two thousand and twenties. But um, I mean, look, you know, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. The fax machine was incredibly useful when it was around, but it was pr- pretty much quickly superseded. And when you think about all those different st- th- those cities around the world, which are going to be banning. Um, any sort of um, engines, um, petrol or diesel engines, and that includes hybrids and plug-in hybrids. Um, you do think that um, um, you, you do wonder um, if you buy a new car now, which is you know at least even partly run on on diesel and petrol, um, it might not have a license to operate um, in five, ten, fifteen years' time, depending depending on the city. I mean, probably not in Australia anytime soon because, um, mm. doesn't seem to be on the radar, but, um, but look, those sales in Australia were sort of replicated, um, in, probably more spectacularly in, 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 in the US and in Europe where electric vehicle sales are absolutely rocketing, uh, petrol and diesel sh- sales are falling, um, and in Norway, like pure electrics, pure battery electrics are 60% of the new car market. And if you throw in p- plug-in hybrids, that's another 15%. And um, just normal hybrids is another 8%. And um, just the old sort of, you know, petrol and diesel cars is about sort of 15% of the market. It's, it's extraordinary. Wow. Wow. That's uh, That shows that it's possible, right? Just with uh, the right conditions in place. And speaking of which, I did see that NRMA announced uh, a whole bunch of new charges going in out through Western Sydney, um, uh, Western New South Wales, I should say. Um, and uh, an article written by someone who went out and, and, and test drove it using their electric vehicle and, you know, got used to the new stop. So there's a bunch of new charging stations going in um, out west, which is awesome. I've personally, you know, battled my way across uh, parts of the Blue Mountains and uh, and beyond on my electric motorcycle, and uh, you know that was a few a couple of years ago now, and we literally you know had no option but to use showgrounds, and we'd, we'd go into showgrounds and get charge charged up in in showgrounds, mm. you know, on mass ten or fifteen electric motorcycles plugging into into three phase with a um, uh, with as much <laughs> grunt as we could get out, uh, thanks to the courtesy of lovely showground owners, but you know not very practical for the public. So fabulous to see that infrastructure slowly but surely starting to roll out as well. Um, that's the key to taking away the fear um, that people have. Um, same fear that people had when they changed from the horse and buggy to petrol cars, I might add. I, I love reading stories about you know how difficult it was to get fuel for your car here or there. Uh, still the place in many uh, developing countries. Uh, for anyone watching Long Way Up, um, the uh, the ride that Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor did on two electric Harleys from the southern tip of uh, South America up to um, Los Angeles. Uh, they, um, you know, particularly in um, uh, uh, the, the 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 more remote areas of. Um, South America, you know, there was, there was nothing there. There was no petrol. There was no homes. There was no, and there was certainly no electric vehicle charging. So they really battled uh, through the first part of their trip. Uh, another episode's due out this Friday. Can't wait to see how they're getting on with their electric Harleys. Yeah, look, I mean, Blue Mountains is a bit of a problem. I've been up there a couple of times to visit the relatives, and um, yes, you just have to sort of plug in and um, and get the cord going out from the house and um, up, up through the yard and across the footpath and into the car and just charge very slowly overnight. Um, yeah. But look, just a bit of a shout out. You mentioned NRMA. Um, I just got a shout out to the um, to the guy that uh, came in. I had my first puncture in my um, in my Tesla the other day, and uh, of course, Teslas don't give you. 
don't give you a spare tire. So, um, oh, is that right? I didn't I, know um, that. There's no spare anyway. No, there's no spare. There's no spare. So, I was actually sort of talking. Oh, I, was, I was actually just parked down on the beach, just about to have a surf, and um, the people behind me just sort of asked me because they wanted to have an electric vehicle, and I was just talking about it. And I, so I sort of talked, spent a couple of minutes there, and then I just sort of turned around and I just sort of moved the car about one foot, um, just to sort of, you know, sort of um, um, allow them to get out. And then I was talking to somebody else, and he goes, What's that noise? It's like this hissing sound. I just sort of turned around and it was the air coming out of the front right and tire. Oh, and no. there was a, a lovely yes, lovely little metal thing that was sort of stuck in the tire. So um got on the phone to California and um yes, you do. and um oh look, a bit of a palaver actually. This will ask me all sorts of questions about my name and my address and my phone number and how many kilometers my car had done and what the range of the car was. And apparently I got the range wrong. And they said, well, we can't see You know, you got the range wrong. You, you can, we, we can't help you. I was like, what do you mean I got the range wrong? <laughs> anyway, sort of, I didn't kind of, I couldn't quite understand what, what went on. And so I just sort of sat there for a while and thought, oh, buggy, this will go out for a surf. So I went out and had a bit of a surf, got a couple of waves, came in, put the board down on the beach, ran across, opened the car up again, saw the phone, saw that there was a thing saying, oh, okay, um, we'll give you a loan tire, sort of sign this document, but still no indication of when or where they were coming. And I thought, oh, they're probably going to come down from the Gold wow. Coast. They'll be about another hour, so I'll go back out for, I'll go back out for another surf. So I did. <laughs> and um, anyway, I went out. You know, I got a wave coming around the point, and um, I just saw these flashing lights next to my car, and it was the NRMA van. I went, oh, crap!" So I had to get off the board and sort of leave it on the beach and just sprint across the beach. And the NRMA guy was just driving off, and I just sort of shouted and screamed at him. And I said, hey, don't go. And he goes, where the bloody hell have you been? I've been ringing you seven times. I said, well, I didn't know. I just went out for a surf. What else was I supposed to do? But anyway, it was terrific. So he changed the tyre, um, and um, all good. So I take, took back the loan this morning and uh, got the puncture fixed and um, all fantastic. So look, that was that was that was exciting. But I've got to say, um, yes, um, that's somewhat that was pretty impractical. quick and That's somewhat impractical. Well, I had you, no idea there was no you, spare. No, you can imagine where that could be a challenging situation. Bloody oh! Um, for instance, if you have got, if you get a puncture where you haven't got any reception, uh, you might have to walk a long yes. way. So. Um, um, or you might be completely out of the way, but it looks like they've got all these deals with the NRMAs of the world and stuff like that, so that makes it a bit easier. But, um, yeah, I guess mm. the, the listen is that don't go out surfing while you're waiting for the uh, your tie to be changed. <laughs> it's building a li- lily a bit. But anyway. So That's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Anyway, mate, I think that's probably a bit of a wrap for today. Very good, mate. Very good. Look, thanks to our sponsors once again, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz, and Clenergy. And um, thanks to all our listeners. And we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high quality mounting systems for residential, commercial, and utility scale solar projects. With in house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. 
Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.